Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. That's why he speaks of, you got to be born again. You can't just decide, hey, I'm, I'm going to be good. I think I'll be a Christian this week. I've looked around and those guys seem to be okay. So I think I'm going to kind of walk that walk for a while. I'll, I'll give up on this and I'll stop doing that. No, that's not what it's about. Jesus said, unless you are literally born again, that's this whole transformation thing. It cannot be of the old. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's the reality of being transformed by that renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Christianity is not a fad that you can move in and out of. It is a commitment to seek and place Jesus at the center of your life. Pastor David teaches you today that being godly when it suits your desires will not be enough for Jesus. You must be born again and dedicated to pursuing life which he desires for you. This means placing him above yourself, pushing back against the sins you struggle with and seeking out his word even if it's inconvenient. It means dying to yourself so that you can live for him. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Romans chapter 22 as he continues his message, Living the Life of Christ. Look at just the opening statements of chapters 9, or yeah, 9, 10, and 11. Just the opening statements. Flip over to chapter 9. There in verse 1, he says, I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience is also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, the promises, of whom are the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, the eternally blessed God. Amen. Paul's heart for them is so huge. It's got to be huge for him to be able to say, you know what, I wish that I was accursed. If, 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 that would, if that would bring the nation of Israel to the truth and the understanding of the Messiah, I would be willing to go through an eternity in hell. Ponder that for a moment. If my brothers, to those who have all of this, if they would just simply come to an understanding of the Messiah. Look over in chapter 10, just the beginning of it. Once again, he states, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness. Oh, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. 
It's not until they submit to that righteousness of God. It's not until they submit to the Messiah that they'll have salvation. They're not going to be saved any other way than we are saved, through trust and faith in Christ as Lord. Flip over to Romans 11 as we hurry along. Romans 11, verse 1. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not, he says. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham and of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or did you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel saying, Lord, they killed your prophets and they've torn down your altars and I alone am left and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? He says, I've reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. In other words, there is a remnant. Verse 5, even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. So in other words, he said, even as Jews, they're not going to get saved. The ones that will be saved, they're not going to get saved by keeping the law, by keeping the works. It's not going to happen. They've got to be saved by grace. They've got to be saved by grace. And that remnant, those that will come, are going to be saved by grace through faith in Christ. What an amazing work of grace that God is doing. And Paul, here the apostle of grace, continues to declare this. And over and over again in his writings, and particularly here in the book of Romans, we read of this continual offer of God's grace to man. Man in his rebellion (laughs) continues to reject the offer. But you know what? God still offers. God still offers. We could probably go around the room and say, hey, how, how, what, what age did, did you come to Christ? And I dare say that probably, in fact, let me see a raise of hand. You came to Christ as an adult, as an adult. In other words, uh, in your 20s or older. Okay. Aren't you glad that God didn't give up on you the first couple of times he called you? But it is the grace of God who continues to call. Man rejects, man shakes his fist at God. And yet God in his response stretched out his arms to pay for their sin and to receive them to himself. Chapters 9 through 11, I believe, shows that so clearly. Yeah, Israel's in sin. Israel has rejected their Messiah. Israel, because of lack of faith, they're dying. But those who come will be received. God's not finished with Israel yet. Romans 12 through 16, the last of the three sections, the final portion here. Chapter 12 begins with one of the multiples of of the therefores that we find in Scripture. And you understand what we need to do every time we see a therefore in Scripture, right? We have to find out what the therefore is therefore, okay? So when we look at chapter 12, here in this case, I think that it's because of chapters 9, 10, and 11 the faithfulness of God. But I believe actually we can also go all the way back to those last words of that great promise that he gave us at the end of chapter 8, beginning with verse 29. Remember where he wrote, those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That was back in chapter 8. 
So from just that verse, then we could move right into chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, where he says, hey, he predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son. Then we get to chapter 12. It says, I beseech you, therefore, I beg of you, therefore, because he has predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is just the beginning of your service. That reasonable service. That means that, man, that's, that's just the beginning place, that we surrender our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable of God. And then in chapter, or verse two, there of chapter 12, he says, and do not be conformed to this world. And for those of you that are old enough like me to remember jello molds, that's the idea of being conformed. That means you're like, you're like in a jello mold and you've just been formed right into that thing. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That's, 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 that's a remaking. That's a redoing. That's not just God coming with a little hammer and chisel to kind of change a little bit. No, that is a remaking. That's why he speaks of you got to be born again. You can't just decide, hey, I'm, I'm going to be good. I think I'll be a Christian this week. I've looked around and those guys seem to be okay. So I think I'm going to kind of walk that walk for a while. I'll, I'll give up on this and I'll stop doing that. No, that's not what it's about. Jesus said, unless you are literally born again, that's this whole transformation thing. It cannot be of the old. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's the reality of being transformed by that renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Beloved, I believe that all of these verses from chapter 8 on through uh, 9, 10, and 11. All of those really add depth to that therefore that we find here in verse 1 of chapter 12. We find chapters 12 through 16 actually bring us a practical application of, of all that Paul has declared beforehand. He said, this, this is what you were, but God's promise came to you. God's promise is so great, he continues to work in the rebellion of Israel. And even at that, now now that you understand that, this is how you need to be living. The therefore, again, that, that dealing with our present walk in the world. What does it look like for us to be citizens of heaven and still be living here on earth? As a believer, that's who you are. You are a citizen of heaven. You're an alien right now, Okay. I'd say I've looked around again, but no, uh, you're, you're an alien. This world is not your home. We have a home as believers, but we are still here right now as representatives, as ambassadors of the hope that's found in Christ. For some, we, we look at these next several verses, and some look at this as kind of Paul's version of the Sermon on the Mount. Here he's declaring the, the principles, literally, of what it means to be a representative of God's kingdom here on earth. Look at chapter 12, and, and I'm going to paraphrase it a bit as we kind of fly through it real quick. Romans chapter 12, in verse 3, he says, Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But think sensibly, think right-mindedly. Verse 5, you are altogether one body in Christ, and yet you're individual members of that one body. 
verses 6 through 8, he says, use the gifts that God has given to you in proportion to your faith. Rather that be prophecy or ministry or teaching or exhortation, giving with liberality, leading with diligence, and showing mercy with cheerfulness. Verse 9, he says, let your love be without hypocrisy. Abhor, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Verses 10 through 13, be kindly affectionate one to another. Give preference to one another. Don't lag in diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Distribute to the needs of the saints and give yourself to hospitality. Verses 14 through 17, bless those who persecute you and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Don't be so wise in your own opinion, and don't repay evil for evil. Verses 18 and 19. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Don't avenge yourself. Let the Lord take care of vengeance. He said that he would. Verses 20 and 21, instead of that, blow your enemy away with kindness, the kindness of the Spirit of God in you. If he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him to drink. For in so doing, you heap coals of fire on his head. And I've heard the message before, oh, that'll do him, yeah, your coals of fire on his head, that'll burn him down. No, the coals of fire is a comforting thing. That's a blessing thing. If I run out of fire at my house to cook and to keep my house warm, I'm gonna go over to yours and I say, hey, can I get some of the coals out of your fire? No, get away from me, uh, you're my enemy. Even if he's your enemy, you say, no, here, here's some coals. Here's, bless him. Bless those who curse you. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I just got to tell you real quick, I, I, I work really great with checklists, okay? When there's things to do, I work good with checklists. You can ask my wife if there's stuff to do at the house, if she puts it on my to-do list, I can go through there and I get really proud of myself. You can talk to her, this is the, this is the gospel truth here. I, I, I get excited when I can put a check on, the, on that. Oh, I got that done. We're doing some stuff at the house right now. The other day I went through and I checked off like three things. It was like a great day. I got some stuff done and it is so easy for me to look at something like what what is written right here in the verses that we just looked at and said, that's a great checklist. Oh, 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 I did that one. Oh, I I did that one. I, I did that one. And you know what? Suddenly I can be overwhelmed with the work rather than the grace of God. I can do all this little checklist and I can say, See how good I am, God. Uh, man, I, I got like five things checked. Well, what about this one? Oh, I didn't want to do that one today, God. And that one wasn't as easy as the other ones. And suddenly, I'm doing it in my own strength. I'm doing it in my own ability. And God hasn't called for this to be a checklist to see how holy I am. God hasn't called this to be a checklist to see if I've made it or not. God hasn't called this to be the checklist to see, okay, I deserve your grace. What this is, is because of God's grace, because of what he's already done in my life. This is how I ought to be a representative of his to the world that's lost and dying. This is what the world ought to see. This is what my family ought to see. This is what my neighbors ought to see. But you know what? I can't do this on my own because I I, I get 
tired. I get weary. I, I, I get to, to the point, man, I, I don't want to do that anymore because in my flesh, I just don't have the strength. That's why it's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, working within us that empowers us to be able to live the life that God has called us to do. The fact is, is when we get there, the Christian walk isn't about checklists. It's not the life of living under the law. The Christian life is that I am being transformed by the renewing of my mind into the very image of Christ. And suddenly, these are the things that become a part of the outflow of my transformation. It's not that if I do all these things, then I'll become transformed. No, it is that, that's righteousness by the law, man. If I do all these things, then no, that's not what he, it is the work of grace within me that works in me to do his good pleasure. It happens because he is changing my life through the power of the Holy Spirit within me. And that's another truth that we get from the pen of the Apostle Paul. This time it's in Philippians. You don't need to turn there, but you can jot it down. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you and me both to want to, to will, and also to complete or to do his good pleasure. I can't even take the glory for that. That, Lord, I did your will. He says, yeah, you did. It's because I'm working in you. I gave you the will to do it. I gave you the ability to do it. And then I say, thank you, Lord, for the abundance of your grace, for the abundance of your mercy, that you saved a guy like me. We look at this, and we need to understand that Paul isn't calling us to a life of works under the law, but to a life led by the Holy Spirit. He goes on, man, in chapter 13, submit to the government, obey the laws of the land. Uh, Down in chapter 13, verse 8, he says, truly love your neighbor as yourself. Down in verses 11 through 14, stop living like the world. Stop acting like you're still in the darkness. Put on Christ and don't let the flesh have its way. Beloved, the Holy Spirit empowering will allow you to be able to do that. He'll strengthen you for that. Chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. In Christ, we're free from the law. Yet some, because of consciousness' sake, they still limit themselves in certain areas of what they eat, of what they drink, and of what they do. And at the same time, we're not supposed to judge our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Verse 4 of chapter 14, who are you to judge another man's servants? To his own master, he'll stand or he'll fall. And indeed, he, God, is able to make him stand. God is able to make him stand. Verses 5 through 23, he says, it's, it's not the observance of one day over another. It's not the food we eat or don't eat. It's not what we drink or don't drink. All that we do, we just need to make certain that we do it as unto the Lord. Verse 7 of, of, of chapter 14 there, he says, for none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, rather we live or rather we die, we are the Lord's. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. And then down in verse 23, he says, whatever is not of faith is sin. Chapter 15, 
Here we find some final instructions, the beginning of Paul's closing of the letter. Uh, he says uh, in verses 1 and 2, You that are strong, you ought to bear with the scruples of the weak, not to please yourselves. Let each of us please our neighbor for his good, leading to edification. Then down in verse 13, we find this blessing that he gives him. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then in verses 14 through 13, Paul speaks about moving on uh, you know, with the ministry and all of his travels, asking again for, for their uh, support. But Paul saw the greatest need was not the material support, but the spiritual support of praying brothers and sisters. In chapter 15 down in verse 30, he says, now I beg you. Man, when Paul uses that word beggar, I beseech you, you got to understand the depth of what he's calling for there. He says, I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Do you ever think of praying as striving? Man, striving, it is a battle. There's a battle that's going on. There's a spiritual battle going on. Strive with me in prayers to God for me. Verse chapter 16, he gives his final goodbyes, his personal greetings, along with his final warning that he gives there in uh, uh, verse 17. Chapter 16, verse 17, this final warning. He says, now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned, and you need to avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. Paul closes this book then with this very gracious and beautiful benediction as he speaks literally a a powerful blessing to the everlasting God uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes Sometimes you need to take the opportunity, just go through the writings of the Apostle Paul Look for the times that he just gives this blessing. Now unto him, unto the king, eternal, immortal, uh, the only wise God. Uh, the, the blessings, the benedictions that Paul gives. It's just absolutely amazing. The, these kinds of things, I think that as he's dictating these letters, that the spirit just fills him and he begins these. Well, as he closes this letter, he closes with this beautiful declaration to God. And so as we close tonight, why don't you stand with me together? You don't need to follow it, but you can look at it later, Romans 16, verses 25 through 27. And it's a prayer of the Apostle Paul's, and we'll make it our prayer tonight. And now to him who is able to establish you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now has been made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures has been made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God. Alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great evening in him.
As our time with you today winds down, we'd like to share where you can listen to today's message again. You'll find this and other teachings from Pastor David and The Open Word at theopenword.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an edition of the program. Right now, let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick message from the heart. Hello, friend. I'm so glad you joined in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. He's the reason I teach every week at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I want as many people as possible to know and believe the message of the gospel. If you'd like to know more about what Jesus' life and death means to you, I'd encourage you to call us. We have some great people here who would love to pray with you and answer your questions. Our number is 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. Know that I'm praying for you too, and I value you greatly as a listener and brother or sister in Christ. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to invite you to come see us in person as well at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. We have services every Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday, and you'll be able to find more information at theopenword.com. Just click the church link at the bottom of the page. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Join us next time to continue our journey through the Bible, right here on The Open Word. Make us more.